Welcome to Fast Frontiers. I am your host, Tim Shiggle, Managing Partner of Refinery Ventures. Today, we're talking to my friend, Chad Summy, Chief Strategy Officer at Quotient Technologies, a marketing technology firm headquartered in Silicon Valley, but with their largest office here in Cincinnati. Chad's going to share with us some of the advantages of being located in the Midwest, including his proximity to customers and quality of life factors that allow him to recruit top talent. Also, Chad's working on very interesting projects related to supply chain. Cincinnati is a major supply chain hub, and Chad sits on the board of Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport and collaborates with Amazon Prime Air and DHL's corporate hub here in the region. Chad will share with us what he believes is the potential for us to capitalize on it and become a leader in supply chain, logistics, and advanced manufacturing. Please enjoy this conversation with Chad Summy. It's so good to have on our show today my friend Chad Summy. Chad has a fascinating career, which started at the U.S. Naval Academy. And then Chad went on to be a submarine officer, a nuclear engineer, on the USS Topeka. Chad got his MBA from Duke University, and his commercial career started in brand management at Procter & Gamble, which provides a great training ground. From there, Chad went to Quotient Technology, where he's been for eight years and now serves as Chief Strategy Officer. Chad has led the company through impressive growth, and he's here today to share his story with us. So tell us about your journey with a a company, a Silicon Valley-based company, and and managing that and your responsibilities and your role from Cincinnati. Sure. Being with Quotient has just been a phenomenal opportunity for me personally, but as a company, a great story. Uh, We we opened the office here 2012 as really as an opportunity as a satellite office to serve clients like Procter & Gamble and other big consumer product good companies in the Midwest and have since, since day one, have proved out a value proposition that some of us who were here locally maybe had a better instinct that it would prove out versus others and watched it. And since then, we've scaled in significant fashion from a satellite to a full service office. Um, it actually is our biggest global office now of over 300 people. We've, we've made six acquisitions in the last four years, one of which was our, a local company uh, founded by another P&G or here in the ecosystem, um, Ahology, which is a social influencer company. And it, it was great, a Cincy Tech portfolio company that we were able to acquire um, two years ago and partake in the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem, which was just an added benefit of being here. But it's been wonderful, Tim. It, it's It's been um, surpassed all expectations. We brought in our footprint. We have two offices here. We continue to expand here. And I, I think the story is, you know, has a lot of different legs to talk about. I mean, the first and foremost, though, to me, everything revolves around human capital of can we find, can we find the right talent uh, to build and to scale and achieve the objectives that we desire and our growth objectives. Our company is, has been on a growth trajectory for the last several years, you know, growing from 80 to well north of 400 million in 2020. So to do that, it all starts around people and teams and a great culture. 
And we built, we uh, built that here, not only as a company, but here in Cincinnati, we won best places to work a couple years ago, which to me is always a great testament than other awards because it comes from your own employees voting. So you can't fake it. And it's, it's just been a real joy to kind of watch the growth here happen in the Midwest in my hometown. It's just been a luxury to be here and be part of it. What advantages do you believe it gives Quotient by having that presence here and that market understanding? Yeah, I think it's provided a lot. First and foremost, uh, the first advantage is what brought us here in the first place is to serve our clients. And like a lot of scaling companies on the coast, most of our clients and theirs are headquartered here in the Midwest. And so um, just having the ability to serve our, our clients in a time zone that's similar to theirs is, is helpful. So it starts there. Second is, is just the entire value proposition of, of being in this region. What we have found is there's efficiencies to be gained. Um, there's quality of life factors, you know, of the coast, you know, two hours each way. A lot of our employees, our offices um, in Mountain View and to get, if you've ever commuted, I believe you have commuted from downtown San Francisco to Mountain View at the right time of day, it's, it could be two hours. So to go back and forth, that's a lot of time in the car um, versus probably I do the longest commute here in town and I think it's 20 minutes. So stuff like that really matters. I, I think finding employees that are really like what they do, a level of attrition that really is conducive to uh, um, scaling and growing here in the region. I think, you know, having the opportunity to be a technology company, big fish in a, a smaller pond has its advantages. And we found that to be true over the last eight years that we've been here. If you had some advice for an entrepreneur looking to set up a tech company in a place like Cincinnati, and they were worried about hiring, what would you tell them? I would say, I say this often. So for those that know me, the future is bright here in the region. Um, I would argue that the future is bright in the Midwest. And then I would double down to the future's extra bright here in, in the greater Cincinnati region. And there's a lot of reasons that is. I think there's tremendous upside. We'll get to the, the world of supply chain and the world of logistics and advanced manufacturing to come to this region. But all that stuff matters because, you know, rising tides raises all boats in the sense is we bring greater companies like the world's most innovative company like Amazon here. It really helps everybody else because it's, it increases the talent pool. But Cincinnati has always has its history in outkicking its size, so to speak, um, from a per capita basis in big companies. You know, that's been part of our heritage and what that lends itself to a, a disproportionate fair share of great talent. And so what I would suggest to your question is give it a shot. Um, this is a great place to scale. It's proved out for us and it's been a great success and really the reason why we've doubled down. You mentioned Amazon. So you've been on the board of the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport for six years? Yeah, six years. So you got to see a lot and uh, there's been a, a lot of activity and you've been a big advocate for leveraging this region for supply chain logistics. So when we think about the, the, the next fast frontier in that space. First of all, can you just tell us and help the listeners understand kind of the capabilities of this region from your point of view? Yeah, I, I think the advantages of 
this region are unmatched really, even when we look at our Midwest peers, but definitely from a national perspective, because I think there's a catalyst converging right now. And I think COVID is just accelerating that, you know, between having Amazon come here as a national hub for prime air, you know, the world's number one e-commerce player to having Kroger here, uh, you know, a big giant and grocery e-commerce and growing to having the U.S.'s fastest growing cargo airport, which happens to be, you know, our Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky airport, uh, which is pretty remarkable with the sixth largest now in the country. Uh, it's been quite a story. And, and last, we have DHL's global hub here for North America as well. So when you put all that together, it really makes itself for a great runway for a bright future uh, for this region. And I, I think supply chain may not be the word, it's really supply way. I know um, my friend Pete Blackshaw over at Centrifuge uses that a lot, and I, I think that's right. It's a, it's a better way to capture it because I think sometimes supply chain is a broad word, and I, supply way really touches in ways much bigger. You know, when you think about brands, let's go back to brand building. When you think about direct commerce, when you think about those small brands that have lower barriers to entry than ever before uh, to reach consumers directly, um, there's going to be no better place to do that than here. And that's, that's with the manufacturing we have, but also with our distribution channels. We're, we're 500 miles from 60% plus of the population. And that was a big reason Amazon came here in the first place, both geography and the infrastructure of our airport, CBG. So when you think about delivering upon direct commerce, it's very interesting. When you think about building advanced manufacturing that comes with it, I think we all believe that post-COVID, a lot of advanced manufacturing gains in the the United States will be significant. And I think we are positioned well uh, to take advantage of that, to participate in the, the greater ecosystem that's around um, CBG, around DHL, around um, Amazon. And then really just the, the distribution opportunities and the benefits of think about rail, think about our river and, and think about air. Uh, this region really is, in my opinion, positioned to be a, a big player when we think about the supply way to the rest of the nation. And it's interesting because most people don't know about Amazon's presence here. And while every city was competing for HQ2, we had Amazon just continuing to build and build and invest in our area and nobody knew it. Well, you and I talk about this offline quite a bit, but you know we have a lot of benefits of which I've named here of being in the Midwest. But maybe one disadvantage is we don't like to uh, toot our own horns too loud. If you don't believe that, then look at this story, <laughs> Amazon. Right, right. It is a national story and it's, it's gonna make a significant impact. I would suggest the biggest impact to our GDP over the next 10 years as a region. It's definitely not um, on enough people's radar nationally, but that's, that's okay. We're the, we're the first innings of this and I'm, I'm confident that we'll knock, knock it out of the park to really take advantage of what this opportunity will bring and will come from it as uh, I've talked about earlier. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, what's your vision for what this region is going to look like in 20 years from now? It's a great question. I, I wish I was a clairvoyant in that sense. I, my hope is I'll speak in bigger terms. My hope is we take advantage of it and think big think bigger of what it really means to be the supply way to America. What's it mean to solve the last mile for distribution? And I would love to see our region be on the front end of that. Uh, what it means for um, whether it be autonomous trucking, if it were to happen here, right in our tri-state region first, 
those are the type of things that I would hope that we're thinking about on a, on a, on a grandiose scale, on a bigger scale than we've ever thought about before. Because I think, and I believe at my core that we have the assets, uh, we have the talent, we have all the ingredients to really think big and to execute big. We just have to, to do it. What are the um, latest, if you can share any of the latest uh, initiatives that are happening along those lines with the various organizations in the region? whether it's the city or the, or the airport or centrifuge or economic development groups. Yeah. And I think you, you're on the front end of that first and foremost is, is just um, engaging in early stage seed stage startups around this, which we've made so much progress on over the last eight or so years through the efforts of yourself and Cincy tech and centrifuge and, and others in the region, um, which has been great because I think everything starts when you think about the continuum both on jobs and capital starts there. I think there's an opportunity as we go down the capital, uh, you know, continuum to companies that are here already. And do we have we inventoried them enough to really understand what what capital do they need to scale faster? And potentially, are they exposed enough, um, deep enough to this opportunity that's here and that the region's betting on? And it's way beyond supply way. There's a lot of healthcare. There's so much going on in this region. I'm just hitting on one um, narrow area, but whether it be healthcare or whether it be supply way, are they really thinking, seeing the opportunity for what it is? I would start here. And I, I think that's the second. And then really the last part of the continuum is exciting folks nationally as this great trend goes on, um, both from investors and investments that, um, standpoint to come here to the Midwest uh, to win here over the next 20, 30 years? Are we doing our job to make sure that our region is standing out from a comparative competitive advantage um, in the long term from our peer set? So, you know, I think there's a lot of work underway uh, to your question. I know Ready, I know our chambers are all thinking about this. There's a restart initiative that I'm a part of underway, thinking and taking a step back and using it this time post-COVID, which is bringing us so many things to think about. Um, are we fully taking advantage of looking at all of our institutions, um, a landscape assessment per se, uh, to make sure that we're set up to uh, knock the ball out of the park. Can, can you talk a little bit about what Restart is? Yeah, Restart is an initiative being led by the, the entities ready, our local economic development, regional entity, the chamber, and all of this to, to do exactly what I said, to restart, to take a step back. Um, so much is changing. It's an opportune time to look at everything from economic development uh, to the areas I suggested of healthcare to supply chain to um, capital formation, all of these great topics, and to do an assessment of the landscape of what we have to do as a region uh, to be in position to win uh, not next year, not in the next five years, but really in the next 10 to 20 years, disproportionately against our competition. What else do we need to make sure our universities are doing in terms of preparing talent for that next 20 years? Yeah, wow. That's a big, that's a big question. And I don't know if I'm the one to answer it, but I'm passionate about education. And we are so blessed in this region, really, to have a, a, a a very big footprint of great universities, um, not only in the, you know, in the immediate of our, of our city and right outside, but if you were to draw a, a circle a hundred miles, it's, it's pretty remarkable just access again to 
um, great talent coming out of great universities. So I, I think, you know, in my short, I think we have to have our universities play a significant role. I know David Adams at University of Cincinnati. I know so many folks at Miami and at NKU, Northern Kentucky University, are all playing a, a significant role to think um, in the stage of the next 20 years of ensuring that on a human capital front, that we're out in front connecting great opportunities to the talent that's required to seize those opportunities. It all starts with people. And to do that, we have to be thoughtful, intentional, and purposeful around making sure that we're keeping our talent. I think the biggest thing with universities is it's so much harder to pull folks here than it is to keep um, folks that already are here coming out of our local universities. So to me, you know, again, I'm not an expert in this field, but to me, the lowest hanging fruit is to place a, a disproportionate amount of effort in keeping our great talent, um, not only coming out of our universities, but um, out of our big co's here in the region. What have you seen, if you could identify some differences in, in attitudes or culturally from your unique position between Cincinnati and the West Coast, as well as, you know, what you've had global experience, uh, obviously. So what have you identified as some differences and how could that, those differences actually benefit us going forward? I, I think, wow. I mean, has the last quarter or two changed things in such a significant fashion? I guess we'll see. Um, I'm not one to count out, you know, New York City or LA. And I, I don't think that's the point here. I, I think the question is, is more and more companies, quotient is not an exception, has really just watched with amazement at the productivity levels that have continued by operating in a very different way. And I, I'm not sure this great experiment could happen in any other way than a forcing function in the way it did. And I think that forcing function um, has given a great opportunity to most likely accelerate things that otherwise would take much longer to come about on their own. And so what those things are, I guess, you know, are to be seen. I think there's natural areas, you know, what we're doing right now on video conferencing that has, you know, leaped out in front, which probably changed how work will be done. And there's telemedicine. There's those natural adjacencies that I think everybody can kind of see, but it's really about those other things, those other adjacencies that maybe aren't as clear that will come out of this, this opportunity, right? And this, this pandemic has, has challenged the nation in so many ways and uh, really has been sad on so many fronts. But, you know, I'm, I'm confident like 9-11 in some capacity that it will be a forcing function of change on others. And those changes will surely drive efficiencies and you know, efficacies forward, you know, in different areas. Yeah, how has work changed for your, your organization? Have you found uh, any advantages or improvements in, in productivity or creativity because of all of this? Yeah, I mean, I talk to people every day um, in similar positions as myself with different companies that span different industries. And I think the answer is really similar. I, I think most folks are amazed at how incredible their workforce has you know, come up to the expectations of operating under such arduous conditions of um, being teachers at home, um, being full-time employees, 
um, not having that natural physical barrier of walking in the house where work stops sometimes for some and, and you know, home began and having all those worlds blend together. I, I just, I guess my first word would just be, I've, I've never been so proud of, of the organization to respond at the levels um, that they have. And I think that's a testament, not only to Quotient, but I know a lot of other companies that are seeing this. So productivity has, has been remarkable. It's gone up. I think we've learned along the way. Uh, there's been definitely different stages of how to continue this for a longer period of time and maybe the first three weeks when people thought maybe it would be a shorter term. So for, for me, it's been um, productivity gains for our company. It's been a new way of working um, and it's kind of been shattered ceilings, uh, maybe questioning things that we never thought we could operate. So I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of questions about do I need to travel for that meeting or not. I, I'm not one to suggest there's not always a place for in-person engagements on deal making and so forth. But, you know, I think many people have have learned throughout all this that business can be done in a different way, just as effective. Have you, yeah, have you seen, I'm curious, have you seen that communications and transparencies actually improved as a result of this? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, communication, transparency, authenticity. It's fun to be in a person's home, you know, you're, you're my children jumping up on my lap and, and you get it exposed. So maybe there's an authenticity factor that everybody telling me that they're talking to pe people more. So maybe you're missing that drive by in the office and it's required working a different muscle. Um, but I'm not sure that muscle has resulted in less connectivity. I think it's more, it's just different. It's not the drive-by, it's, it's, it's just talking or jumping on, on Zoom more often. So what, message, what final messages would you give to people who maybe are on the coast or from this area that are looking to move back? There's, you know, oftentimes I, I run into them, they're starting a family or what have you. What would you want them, what would you want to tell them? Well, one, my first thing is it's worthy of doing due diligence. So even if you have, or if you're not thinking it, it's worthy if you're in a position where you're driving a scaling company, it's definitely worth looking um, in the Midwest and in, in the greater Cincinnati area specifically, um, if there's an opportunity to drive significant advantage at doing so in a region that may give you advantages across the board, um, not just the living standards, but really the, the quality of talent and everything else that you would look for in a value proposition to scale. So, you know, if you're in that position as a founder, as a CEO, then, you know, naturally it's, it's I would say it's your fiduciary responsibility to, to be looking about where is the best place to scale. And I, I would suggest we have a lot to offer here. If not, if you're, a, you know, formally from this area or you have some connection back to the Midwest, I, I really am talking to more and more folks that are thinking that maybe they can do their jobs that they never thought were mobile, but do so in an environment that may be more conducive for other things that you care about on the personal front, uh, whether it be a family or, or, or being around significant others. I, I, I think the, the equation has changed and I think it's only going to change more. And if the, if the, if the equation changes, it's worthy of, of doing the math again and asking yourself, maybe this is a better place, um, has more um, upside, it has a higher trajectory over the next 20, uh, 30 years uh, to, to even start a company 
if you're if you're thinking about doing so. Well, Chad, thank you very much for coming on and, and talking with us. Your background and experiences, your advocacy for this region are hugely valuable. So I appreciate it. Lucky to live in the same city. Yeah, thanks, Tim. And thanks for all that you're doing. I, I love the concept of fast frontiers because that's exactly what we need to be thinking about here in the region of what is our next fast frontier across all this change and be out in front of it. So thanks for leading the way. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Fast Frontiers. If you like the show and want to know more, check out our website, fastfrontiers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Join us next week when we bring you my conversation with Joseph Marks, Executive Director of the Center for Machine Learning and Health at Carnegie Mellon University. 